It is Christmas time and it's coming fast. And we want to look at the Christmas story from maybe a different perspective of Christmas, not just the baby in the manger, but the story that took place from eternity past. You know, the stories that begin once upon a time, it's a way that fairy tales begin and legends and myths and Star Wars movies begin. Once upon a time signals that the events probably didn't happen or that we don't know if they happened. But it's a beautiful story anyway that teaches us a lot. But what if a story begins in the beginning? Well, there are two places in the scripture where the stories begin in the beginning. In Genesis 1-1, we read, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And in John 1-1, we read, In the beginning was the Word. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 1, and we're going to unpack these few verses Genesis refers to the beginning of creation, the God who has always existed, the God who always was, has no beginning and no end. There was a moment in time when he decided to create all that is around us, everything we see in this physical world, God spoke into existence, and so he created. It was a being who existed before creation took place. In the beginning means the beginning of creation, the beginning of time. It doesn't mean the beginning of God. And now in John chapter 1, we see another place where John also is referring back to Genesis. And John says, in the beginning. It starts before the beginning of creation. It's outside of time and outside of space. And it's in eternity. And this is really where Christmas begins. Christmas begins outside of time and space. It begins in eternity, and it's beyond the stars is where Christmas originates. And so we want to lift the curtain and peel back the curtain and look at what was Jesus? Who was Jesus? What happened when he became a man and came to earth and what we celebrate now is Christmas? Look what it read in John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This relationship between the Father and the Son, we read in John 1, what? It says, in the beginning was what? The Word, and the Word was with God. God. Jesus says in John chapter 17 that he was with God before the world began. And this relationship between God is central to the gospel and central to our understanding of all that Jesus says and all that he does. The word who is Jesus, the word and God had this eternal relationship. John 1 1 says the word was with God. It doesn't denote proximity. It doesn't denote that he was with God in, in, uh, in, in, in closeness of, of uh, proximity, but what it means is closeness of relationship. You can be with someone, you're sitting on the metro, you're with someone, a complete stranger, but you're not with them. You don't know them, you don't have a relationship with them. And what John is telling us is that Jesus was with God. He had a relationship with God from the beginning. And with God means that this word, this logos, is distinct from God. So we have God and we have the word. The word and God were there before creation, from all eternity past. 
and it indicates this personal relationship that Jesus had. It, has, it means in company with. And so what do we know from John 1.1? 1, 1? In the beginning was, this word, was the Word, and the Word was with God. This Word has always been in relationship with God the Father. There is not a point in time where the Word did not exist. There was not a point in time where, the, where Jesus, as the Word, did not exist. Now, there is a point in time where he exists as a man, and that's what we celebrate as Christmas, but he's always in this eternal relationship with God the Father. And so in eternity past, Jesus, the Word, had a relationship with the Father. We also know the, uh, from Scripture the Holy Spirit. So this triune God, before all of creation, was with had this relationship with one another. Why is this important? It's important because when we say God is love, that love is not dependent upon his creation. God, in this triune Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, had loving relation, communion with each other, and did not need the creation in order to love. And so only in the Christian worldview, when we say God is love, it's because we understand God as a triune God. God doesn't need us to love. Father, Son, Holy Spirit together. We are created in God's image, which means what? We are created for a relationship. We are created to be with others. We are created to be with God. We are created to be with other people. And so John, in the opening of his gospel, go, takes us back to that beginning place in Genesis where we see that there, there is this God who existed before creation. And what he says is this God is the, the Word. Look what he says in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. From that first moment when God spoke creation into existence, the Word was there. And the word was with God, had this relationship with God. And what else does it say? The word was God. This is the mystery of Christmas. This is the mystery of the incarnation. How this eternal God who has no beginning and no end, this logos, this word took on flesh. But he did. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. So there is this relationship of God. But John also says that this word, this logos, was with God and was God. The word logos in the Greek culture of that time meant that, there, that the word uh, for the world is cosmos or cosmos, right? But behind the cosmos was the logos. So we had this created world, the Greeks thought, and behind that was this logos. There was this reason, there was this order, there was this mind that was behind all that we see. And so John, in his gospel in chapter 1, tells us, I'm going to tell you who that is. It's Jesus. The one who's behind creation, the one who is the order behind creation, is Jesus. And for the Jews, how did God create? God what? He spoke into existence. And so for the Jews, the word, the logos, right, was God's creative act. It was what he did. And John says to both Jews and Gentiles, I want to tell you about this logos. I want to tell you about this word that always existed, that this is the word that what? That brought everything into creation. And so Jesus is the word, and the Jews also understood the word as wisdom. So Jesus is the word and the wisdom that was always with God. Look at verse 3. What does it tell us that the word did? Through him, all things were what? Made. It's through Jesus 
that all things were made. The Word was the agent of creation. There is no exceptions. Everything that is in existence came by the Word, by this Logos, by Jesus. Why is there something rather than nothing? I don't know if you ever thought those deep questions in life. But you ask yourself, why is there something rather than nothing? Why is just not the, 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 this black, empty void of the universe? Why is something here? Because, John tells us, it was through the creative act of God, the creative act of the Word, the Christian answer is always God. The reason there is something rather than nothing is because God spoke it into existence. That's why we're here. That's why your, your feet are planted on, on uh, planet Earth. Because God created. He spoke it into existence. And so John tells us that this Jesus, the one that we celebrate at Christmas, he is the one from beyond eternity who spoke into existence. Until the discoveries were made in the 1920s, the Milky Way was thought to be the entire universe. But now we realize there are many billions of galaxies. And so what science teaches us is that it silences us before God to see how awesome and how mighty this creation is. But this verse also helps us put science in its proper perspective. The universe is incredibly wonderful. How much more wonderful is the one who created it? And so we look at verse 3, and we say, Through Jesus, through the Word, through the Logos, everything was created. This was the little baby that was born in Bethlehem. As Mary looked in the face of the Logos become flesh, she was looking into the face of what? The creator of the universe. Jesus, the one who existed with the Father from all eternity, is now born in a manger in Bethlehem. He takes on flesh. This eternal Logos, who is God in the flesh. Look what Colossians 1, verse 16 says on your notes. For in him all things were created. Colossians is talking about the superiority of Jesus over all things. So what were all things? Things in heaven and on earth, invisible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities... All things have been created through him and for him. There is nothing that exists, whether visible or invisible. You say, well, what's invisible? Uh, angels and the things that are invisible, the invisible realms that God has created. All of those were created because and through Jesus, this Logos. And so now when we celebrate Christmas... We understand that this God who existed before the stars were created, this God who existed before the world was created, this God in the form of the Logos took on flesh and became like one of us. He says that in verse 4. He says, through him all things were made. In him, what does he say? Was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Life refers to the incarnation. So John, in this poetic way, is telling us what happened and what took place at Christmas. He says, the Word took on flesh. And what was the Word? The Word was life itself, the life of the universe. We only have life because God is a God of life. We have life. Man has tried, uh, mankind has tried to create all kinds of things. And what's the one thing that they say that we can't create? We can't create life. You can't create it in a 
test tube. You can't create it out of nothing like God did. God is the author of life, and so God creates life. Now, he does, yes, he gives us the ability to perpetuate life through the reproductive act, but that is using what God has already created. It's always amazing, isn't it, when they have a discovery maybe on Mars, and they feel like they have found some bacteria that's been dead for a zillion years. And the, what does the headline read? Life on Mars, right? Well, you have to read the article to see what they're talking about. It was a, perhaps a, some kind of thing that led into a thing that led into a thing. So really what the author of the article is saying, there might be life on Mars, but there's not much life in the head of the guy who wrote the article. And we get all excited. <gasps> Did you hear there might be water on Mars? <gasps> it might be. See, everything has may, could, might, perhaps. And we get all excited. And here's John giving us the best news we could ever hear, that this life, the life of God himself, what did he do? He became flesh. First John chapter 1, uh, verses 1 and 2 says this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. That's Christmas. We have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. You see what First John's saying? This eternal life was what? With the Father, in relationship with the Father, and this eternal life has appeared to us. How did he appear to us? Or how does this life appear to us? It appears to us through Jesus. His life is the incarnation, and the, and the, the incarnation is our light. And so in order to know Uh, To have life, we need to know God, and Jesus is the source of such knowledge. That's why we are Christians. If we want to know God and we want to know life, we need to know Jesus. When Jesus came to earth, and if you wanted to know what God looked like, you just looked to Jesus. Who was he? How did he act? What was his character? What was his being? His sacrificial death. And so Jesus is God with skin on, and we can see who God is from the person of Jesus. And so in order to have life, in order to understand what life is, in order to understand what life means, we need to know Jesus. Life is our most important asset, and to lose it is tragic. We hear of tragedies, of um, wars, and of uh, terror attacks. And often the, the uh, tagline is what? It's, a, it's a, a senseless loss of life. Or how tragic it is at the loss of life. And so life is our greatest asset. And so John said that Jesus is life. He is the life that comes to earth. And our spiritual life and our physical life come from him. And so Jesus then is our source of life. John chapter 8 verse 12 says this. When Jesus spoke to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then John 11, Jesus said, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by the world's light. So light is commonly used in the Bible as a symbol of God. And darkness is used to symbolize death and ignorance and sin and separation from God. And so Isaiah describes this coming salvation. Look what Isaiah 9 says on your notes. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by way of the sea beyond the Jordan. And here's what it says, verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. 
On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light is dawned. Don't you ever feel like we live in a world of deep darkness? I mean, you can't turn on the news. You can't hear people talk. There's just so much from sin and from evil and from suffering and oppression and injustice. All the things that are in this world. And Isaiah says that very thing, that there's this deep darkness. How is the world deep? Well, darkness refers to both evil and ignorance. The way the world is dark is through evil. There is untold suffering. There is, at the time of Jesus' birth even, there was violence. There was abuse of power. There was oppression. Uh, families were, were ripped apart. And at the birth of Jesus, all of these things happened. And so darkness, in one way, what the Bible talks about, is that darkness means that there is evil. And we understand that from our world, don't we? That dark, this world is a dark place. And when we say dark, we mean because of evil. But the other way it is this. It's ignorance. The other way the world is dark is that no one knows enough how to cure the evil and the suffering in it. Boy, we try. I mean, we try to cure the evil and we try to cure the suffering. And what we're really doing is operating from our ignorance Isaiah 8, verses 19 to 22, Isaiah is warning the people about their uh, ignorance. And what he says is this, When someone tells you to consult mediums or spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Now listen, as we go through this passage, there's all kinds of advice that's going to be given for how people need to find the answers to life's problems. And Isaiah goes on. Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. He's talking about the ignorance of people who are not looking to God for the answer, but they're looking around. He says, distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged. And looking upward will curse their God and their king. He said, the people are walking in ignorance. And they're looking for the answers in all the wrong places. And he goes on in verse 22. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. This is, this is what explains why we need the light from God. When Isaiah said the people were walking around in the darkness of ignorance. And where did they look? They looked to spiritists and they looked to mediums. And they didn't look to God, but they cursed him. And then where did they look? They looked to the earth. And what he's saying is they looked everywhere except to God. And boy, we look to the earth today to fix our problems. We look everywhere for the solution except to God. We think that the next person we elect is going to fix all of our problems. And they are promising that too. And guess what? They're going to get in office and be a loser just like the rest of them. We're looking to politicians to fix what's wrong with us. We're looking to the economy to fix what's wrong with us. We look to government. We look to self-help. We look to all things. Where are we looking? We're looking to the earth and in the things of the earth. Listen, if the problems that we are got, have gotten into is because of the human condition, why are we looking to humans to solve our condition? It just makes it worse. Some look to the state, some look to the market, everyone looks to technology. My, have you seen how technology is going to fix everything? I mean, literally everything in your life one day is going to be fixed by technology. Well, that's the promise. That's, the, that's, what, that's what's been sold to us. That all we need is to develop the technology and it's going to fix this. What's that? It's ignorance. 
It's walking around, Isaiah said, looking to the earth to solve our problems. And John chapter 1 says this, that Jesus is the life and the light. Why do we need this light to come into the world? Because we need help from the outside. You're having problems in your marriage. You probably can't sit down and talk together. You need to pull another person in to help you discuss, right? You need help from the outside. That's why we have mediation at work. And that's why we have people that come in, a third party, because we need help. Because in ourselves, we, we don't know how to fix it. And yet that's what we do in our world. We look to ourselves and only to ourselves. And God has been pushed out and we say, we're going to fix this. And our solutions are often worse than the original problem. When you have cancer, what do they recommend? You get chemo, right? And if you've ever been in chemo, you know that often the cure is harsh, harsh. Does it kill the disease? Yeah, but it kills everything else as well. And so that's what happens when we look to ourselves and we have a problem. And what the Bible says is that Jesus, the life and the light, has come into the world. Things are dark, and we believe that we can solve the darkness through intellect and innovation. Just just listen how people talk. If we just find the right answer, find the right solution, find the right technology, find the right thing, then it will be solved. Listen, people have been doing this for thousands of years, and we're still where we are. The message of Christmas is not that we will be able to put it all back together, a a world of unity and peace, if we just uh, try hard enough. In fact, it's the exact opposite. The message of Christmas is this. If we looked at some political system or ideology, it only leads to more darkness. That's the message of Christmas. The message of Christmas is that the world is really dark. But there's hope. And the hope is what? The life, the creator, the Logos, has come into our world to give us light. That's what it means. Isaiah 9-2 says, a light has dawned. It doesn't say a light has sprung up from the earth What happens? What is dawn? Dawn is when the sun comes up, right? And what does it do? It shines its light on the earth. The light doesn't come from the earth. And so when Isaiah says the light has dawned, it means the light has come from another place. It doesn't come from within ourselves. And yet we strive and we look and we try to find the answer within ourselves. Listen, mankind has been looking for the light within themselves so much We have been staring at belly buttons for thousands of years. And things have not got much better. The message of Christmas is what? Life and life is dark. The life on planet Earth is dark. It's really dark. But there's hope. And what's the hope? The hope is Jesus. This light dawning is reference to the sun. What does the sun do? The sun gives life. What does John say? Jesus is the source of life. We exist because God is upholding us. What what else does the sun do? The sun shows us the truth. If you drive a car at night with your headlights off, what's going to happen? You're going to probably have a wreck. But what does light do? Light shows us the truth. And the truth is, I need to stop or I'm going to go into the river. That's the truth. That's what light does for us. And so when Jesus, this Logos, came, John said, he was not only the creator, only had the light, but he is the light and he shows us the truth. First John says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. 
If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. John's telling us that if we live in this world without the light of Jesus, we are still in darkness. You can have a flashlight walking through the woods, and unless you turn it on, you are still walking in darkness. And that's the way the Word of God works. We have to turn it on. We have to read it. We have to memorize. We have to apply it in our lives. But the sun is also beautiful. It's dazzling. It gives us joy. Literally, there are parts of the world this time of year where there's very little sunlight during the day because of where people live. And folks in those very dark areas are depressed more often than folks who live down in the tropics. And perhaps that happens to you too. During the wintertime, you get up in the morning and it's dark and it's rainy and it's gray outside and it doesn't get very bright during the day. And you come home from work and what do you do? You just feel like, ugh. In fact, you probably have said that. I just like to stay home today and curl up with a good book. I just like to stay in bed. Why? Because light does something for us. It energizes us. It's, it, brings, it brings joy into our lives. And that's what God does. God is the joy into our lives. Augustine said that even when you are enjoying something other than God, the actual source of the joy is from God himself. So you sit down to a great meal and you're enjoying this meal and you think I'm getting enjoyment from the food, but really the source of joy comes from where? It comes from the Lord. All joy in life comes from him, just like the sunshine shines on everything. And so this light comes into our lives. And so Isaiah says this light has dawned upon us. Well, how has this light dawned or literally flashed upon us? Look at Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. That's how the light has dawned on the world. The Logos took on flesh and lived on our planet with us. It's almost limiting to say we celebrate at Christmas. Do you know what we should be at Christmas instead of celebrating? We should be dumbstruck. We should just think about Christmas and go, I don't mean the decorations. I don't mean the music. I don't mean the food, although those are great. I mean about the incarnation. We should look at that, and it's not that we celebrate the incarnation. We should just be dumbstruck. We just look at it and go, wow. The almighty, eternal God, in the form of the Logos, took on flesh and brought life and light to us. And that should just leave us unable to speak, unable to even put it into words what we feel. And so Christmas has become a little perhaps too casual because every year we go through the routines and we do the thing, but we need to always come back to that place. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You know, in Genesis 1-3, God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Do you ever notice in the creation account that the order is from darkness to light? It says, There was evening, and then there was morning the first day. It's always from chaos to order. It's always from confusion 
to order. That's why it's worded that way. The earth is a chaotic place, and in those days of creation, God is forming it and making it habitable for man to live and uh, to have his being here. And so it's that, it's that thing from creation, uh, from chaos to order. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning. And so over and over in this creation account, it goes and it does that. Why? Because there is a conflict that we are in. This world is a dark place. There is chaos. There is disorder. And we understand that. So that's why John says in John chapter 1 and verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There is this conflict already in the opening uh, verses of John's gospel, there's, a, there's a, a tragic story of conflict because humanity is in the darkness of rebellion against God. And this light is, is, is ongoing and it's shining. It's a continuing activity. It's the very nature of the light to shine. And the light's nature is to what? Dispel the darkness. That's what light does. The absence of light is what? It's darkness. When the light is on, the darkness is dispelled. And we sing songs at Christmas about what? Dispel the gloom, move back the darkness. And that's what Jesus' coming does. In fact, overcome means this. When John says the the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it, it means to seize. It It means to grasp. John chapter 8, the teachers in the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, right? Overcome, seized. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was what? Caught. There's that word, uh, the same word John uses, overcome, seized. Mark 9, 18, talking about a demon. It says this, whenever it seizes him, it's the same word that John uses. It throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and become ridges. I asked your disciples to drive out, but they could not. What is the darkness? The darkness is hostile. There is there's enmity. There is there is there God and darkness. There is a conflict that's going on, and we are caught in the midst of that conflict. We just are. We're born into a world that is dark and that is chaotic, and yet God sends this light into the world. All the way back in Genesis chapter three, Adam and Eve were were given the the run of the farm. God's like, don't eat that tree. What does God know? I think I'll call my own shots. I eat the tree and I find out the consequences. And so Genesis chapter 3, we read the consequences of their decisions. And in Genesis 3.15, God gives us this great promise. He says, I will put enmity between you, serpent, Satan, and the woman. And between your offspring... And hers. See what God's doing all the way back in Genesis chapter 3? Listen, the great story of Christmas does not start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It starts in Genesis. That already in Genesis 3, God has a plan. And he says, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman. Between her seed, your offspring, and hers. He, singular, will crush your head and you will strike his heel. All the way back in Genesis 3.15, the gospel is already being proclaimed that there's going to come one who Satan is going to try to overcome, try to seize and try to kill. But Jesus is going to what? Crush his head. He's just going to strike your heel. The cross, the crucifixion is like a strike to the heel. But three days later, guess what happens? He rises again and Satan's head is crushed. So Christmas starts where? All the way back in the beginning, beyond the created universe, beyond the stars. But when this created, God already in Genesis 3 has a plan. Look at Revelation chapter 12. We're going to unpack this verses. We've been in Revelation over the summer. We've kind of been in it this fall. 
And we're going to look at Christmas from this perspective as well. It's, Christ, it's a cosmic Christmas. It's what's happening behind the scenes in very, in very picturesque language. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. We're going to talk about that her next week and unpack that. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. She gave birth to a son, a male child, in verse 5, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and his throne. That's cosmic Christmas. That's the Christmas where God comes, and from Genesis, he comes and he says, I have a plan. I haven't forgotten about you. I'm going to do something about this. And so behind the scenes, God is working to bring us Christmas. It didn't start when the angels announced to the shepherds. It didn't start when the angel came to Mary. Where did it start? All the way back into the beginning. God understood and God knows, and God has this plan. And so John summarizes the gospel that we read in the entire gospel. Light will invade the dominion of darkness. Listen, you might be feeling like you're in some darkness today. Just this hostile world, this chaotic world, this, a world that's not fair. It, it just, it's very dark. But light invaded the darkness in what? The person of Jesus. God saw us, and he cares about us. Satan and the ruler uh, and his subjects will resist the light. We already know that. That God has enemies and against him is the prince of those enemies, Satan. But he's created. He's not omniscient. He's not all-powerful. He's not all-knowing. He's not all those things. He's still created. And what did Jesus do? Jesus crushed his head. And so Satan and his enemies will still try to resist the darkness. And what does John promise us? Look in verse 5. John says what? The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has what? Has not overcome it. So no matter what the battle looks like, the light shines, but the darkness will not be able to overcome it. The word, the logos, will be victorious in spite of opposition. That's what we read in Revelation 12 as we unpack that as this man child is born and what he does. So listen, if God, if Jesus really is the mighty God, the everlasting father, you can't just like him. Nobody in the Bible simply liked Jesus. Nobody in the Bible just, when they heard Jesus, they said, he's very inspiring. Or he's a great guy. He's a swell fella. I'm going to follow him. Nobody ever just liked Jesus. They hated him. They despised him. They killed him on a cross. Or they loved him and devoted their entire lives to him. And so when we understand that this baby born in the manger is mighty God, the creator, the logos from all eternity, then we need to serve him completely. We can't just say, Jesus, I just like you. If we believe he really is who he is, then we can't just look at him dispassionately and say, wow, what a great guy. We have to what? Surrender our entire lives. Jesus is a light when all other lights go out. He just is. He's the everlasting father. Matthew 4.16 picks up on this. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. That light has what? Has come in the person of Jesus. Maybe you find yourself living in the shadow of death. It's that darkness of the world. Listen, I want to give you some hope today. 
The hope is what? The light has come. The light has dawned. The light shows us those places in our lives. The light is that what gives us life, and it's what gives us hope, and it's what gives us joy, and it's what gives us all the things we need while we're living in this dark world. And God, in His plan, He looked down, and what did He do? He came Himself. The Logos became flesh. God was on a rescue mission. And what does He do? He comes to the place of darkness. He doesn't pull those out of the darkness to Him. We often get it backwards. We think that when we become believers, all of a sudden my life should all be joy and light and unicorns and cotton candy and all things. No, 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 it's not Christmas. Christmas is a raw story of the God who came to the darkness. The everlasting Father who came to the darkness. It's about receiving presents. Do you know it's challenging to receive some presents? Imagine opening a friend, a present from a friend, and it's a dieting book. Oh, thanks. You open another present from another friend, and it's titled, Overcoming Selfishness. <laughs> and if you say to them, thank you so much, and you admit it, like, you, you mean it, right? It's not some snarky, sarcastic thank you, but it's like, oh, thank you. What you are doing is that I'm indeed, what you're doing is you're admitting I'm indeed fat and obnoxious. That's what the light does for us. Some gifts are hard to receive because you have to admit the flaws and the weaknesses and that you need help. And that's why the gift of Jesus is hard for some folks to receive. Because when the gift of Jesus comes into our lives and we receive that gift, we have to admit those very dark, hard things in our lives that we don't like to admit. But to receive the gift of Jesus into our lives means that that light shines on those places in our lives and we say, you know what? I'm just not that great. It's hard to receive it because I have to swallow my pride and the gift that is offered in Jesus requires us to swallow our pride to the very depths of our being. I'm afraid some people receive the gift of Jesus and they merely just like him, but they don't surrender to him. And they don't say, Lord, take all of me, have all of me. In fact, for some people, Jesus is nothing more than just the add-on. He's the guy who's going to bless me eternally while I do whatever I want. He's the guy that's going to make me feel good about myself. He's the guy that I don't have to fear death and all those things. Instead of saying, Jesus, that light that you're bringing is shining to the depths of my being. Listen, we are worse than we think we are. Can we just go there? We are all worse than we think we are. We all want to think we're pretty good. We all want to think everybody else is rotten. We want to think everybody else is scandalous and slanderous and awful and sinful. But we are worse than we think we are. But we're also loved more than we believe we are. There is a God of the universe who said, I'm going to send my son, the Logos, to this planet where these wretched, awful, horrible people live. We have no light within ourselves. That's the point. There is just evil, and there's ignorance, and there's sin, and there's chaos within us. We have no light within ourselves. The light has to dawn on us. And where does it come from? It comes from Jesus. I'm far worse than I think I am but I'm more loved than I ever hoped in the person of Jesus. 
You see, the light came because we can't save ourselves. Jesus is the presence of God's own light and life in a dark and dying world. And the question is, does he really make a difference? Does he really make a difference? I don't mean that now I have some place to go on Sundays. I, I, I don't mean that I get to celebrate Christmas. I mean a different, like, does he make a difference? That I'm this wretched, awful, sinful person, and yet God loves me. And the light can shine in my life. This light I can't manufacture myself. This light that I can't look to the world to supply me with. The light has what? Dawned on us. Took on flesh. So that I can receive this gift of salvation. So that God can say to you, there's no penalty for you. You are new. You are forgiven. And you are free. Jesus is in relationship with the Father. The word was what? With God. And so we talk about having a relationship with God because we are relational beings, just like God himself is relational. He is in relationship with God, and we have relationship with the very Godhead who created the universe, and that is possible by Jesus Christ. You may love it or hate it, but Christmas is here. When we talked about, when we worked through Ecclesiastes, remember, part of Ecclesiastes is I got to deal with reality as it is. And I can pretend it's not here, and I can do all kinds of stuff, but listen, it's here. It's December 8th. I don't care what you want it to be, it's December 8th. But the reality is, is sometimes I do that because it brings up all kinds of stuff, right? Holidays are hard. Do you know why? Because we're looking to the earth, we're looking to other people to make it something for us and send it to the God of the universe. We can't manufacture it. But when I understand that this Logos, the eternal God, became flesh, if just for a moment I'm dumbstruck, that's what Christmas is. Christmas isn't the trapping and the tinsel and all the toys and all the songs, but it's the God of the universe. This Logos, who is what? was with God. God walked among us. Why? To bring us light and life. And in my darkness of my world, in the chaos of my world, in the struggle of my world, in whatever it is that you're facing in your world, a light has dawned. And it's the person of Jesus. Would you let that light and life shine on your hearts? As we look beyond the stars, and Christmas is more than what we make it, it is the God of the universe who came to earth to give light, even though the darkness rails against it, but the darkness will not overcome. Let's pray. Father, Christmas can become so casual and so ordinary and so routine. And we've heard the stories and we've sung the songs, but God, this year, would you just give us that perspective of Christmas beyond the stars, Christmas of beyond eternity, of Jesus, the Logos, the Word that was with you became flesh to give us light and life in our lives. And so, Father, the only way that happens is for us to allow the light to dawn onto us, to show us the depths of of the darkness in our own hearts, to show us how much we need you. Father, we've been trying to figure it out and do it for ourselves and find the answer within ourselves. And so, Father, in humility, we just want to stop and turn to you. Say, Lord, I've been looking for the answers in many places, but I've not looked for them in you. That God, your light is what shines into my life. 
You're the, you're the life who has created me. And so, Father, over these next few moments, we just want to lift our hearts to you and just to see what difference does it make? What difference does it make no matter where we find ourselves, no matter how difficult we were without hope and without light in ourselves. But God, in your love and your mercy and your grace, you sent Jesus, the word that became flesh. It's in his name we pray.